We're, we're in a series of messages called Sand and Stars. I, I hope you've been around long enough or tuning in that you know we're in not only a series, but a theme for this summer. I believe it's God's orders, marching orders for us as a church here. But uh, Sand and Stars is based on a story of a man uh, by the name of Abraham who is living with a God-inspired dream on the inside of him in his heart. God had promised him that God would bless him and that God would increase him, that he would have a family and that family would become a great tribe of people and that tribe of people would even become a great nation and that they would be so large in number that the Bible promised that they would be like the sand of the seashore and like the stars of the sky or in the sky. And we are using this as our text in Genesis chapter 22, verse 17. And God tells this to Abraham. He says, I will bless you with incredible blessings. Well, that sounds good right there, doesn't it? Uh, if you know anything about your Bible, you understand that you are a seed of Abraham. If you be in Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, and you're actually an heir to the promises of Abraham. So actually, this is not just Abraham's promise. So when God shows up to Abraham and says, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to increase you, that is actually your promise, promises too. In fact, I would encourage you to go to the Bible and find out. God actually made uh, 60 specific promises in the covenant or what we would call the Abrahamic covenant. And if you don't know what's yours, you'll never experience what's yours. I will, and hopefully in this series, we'll just keep, we'll just keep working at it and keep talking about it until somebody gets excited about some sand and some stars. He says, I will bless you with incredible blessings and multiply your descendants into countless thousands and millions, like the stars above you in the sky and like the sand along the seashore, and they will conquer, that's a good word for somebody, and they will conquer their enemies. Now, Again, when God made this promise to Abraham in the natural, it seemed like a complete impossibility. At this moment, Abraham is, is 75 years of age. His wife is 65 years of age. They have never even had a child of their own. In fact, uh, Sarah has been barren all of her life. So he's old and she's old and she's past the the age of childbearing and then to complicate it even worse is that she's completely barren all of her life. So for Abraham, when God shows up and makes this promise, his circumstances and his situations, the facts in his life just made this God-sized dream seem impossible. Am I talking to anybody today? I, I'm telling you, God's got something for you that if you really get a hold of it, it's going to look, because of your circumstances, because of the facts of your life, it's going to look impossible. So what God does to make this impossible possible is that he redirects Abraham's attention to sand and stars. And if you haven't been here in the last several weeks, we're not going to go all the way back through that, but, but there's a message in all that. And I would encourage you to get the podcast and go on YouTube and watch those messages. But God redirects his attention to sand and stars. God refocuses Abraham's attention off of his, his circumstances, his, his limiting circumstances, and onto God's vast uh, creative ability. Uh, sand and stars speaks of God's unlimited ability. Sand and stars speaks of God's uh, power. It speaks of his, his bigness. It, it speaks of his unlimited possibilities. In other words, what God is saying to Abraham, he's saying, if I did all that with the sand and the stars, then what I'm promising to do in your life is really no big deal. I, I'm here to encourage somebody today to start looking at some sand and some stars, because sand and stars is not just for Abraham. Sand and stars is for you. It's for this church. Come on. It's God's possibilities for you. It's God's promises for you. It's what God wants to do in your life. We all have our pursuit of sand and stars. We all have, are you listening, all those amazing things that God wants to do in our 
lives. And we all have limiting circumstances, so God needs to refocus our attention onto his poss possibilities. Now today, I want to look at some opposition to the sand and stars. I didn't think I was going to do that this today, but, but in our staff meeting this last week, I began to share some of this stuff, and they got so stirred, and I thought, well, if our staff gets stirred over this, maybe we can get the church stirred over this, and maybe we can get some sand and stars working in our lives. So, so I want to fast forward, track with me. We're actually going to preach from the Bible. That might be a shock to some of you, but, but we're going to read it because the power is in the Word. Amen? I said the power is in the Word. God confirms His jokes with signs following. No, God confirms His Word. His Word. The more Word we have, the more signs and miracles are going to follow in our life. So I want us to fast forward 10 years. 10 years has gone by since God has made this promise to Abraham about uh, blessing him and increasing him and that he's going to have children. Ten years have gone by, and he still does not have any children. We pick up the story in Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 5. Now notice, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian now notice, an Egyptian servant, we're going to mention that at the end of this message. She had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. <laughs> and Abraham, Abram said, yes, ma'am. He, he agreed, the Bible says, with Sarah, Sarai's proposal. And uh, so he slept with Hagar, and she conceived. You'd be shocked what's in the Bible if you'd ever read it. She slept with, he, she, so he slept with Hagar, and she conceived. And when she realized she was pregnant, she became very proud and arrogant towards her mistress, Sarai. Then Sarai said to Abraham, it's all your fault. Sounds just like what a woman would do. It's all, she comes up with the whole idea, and then she wants to blame you for the, oh, we're going to have fun. Going to have some fun. It's all your, your fault. We're talking about opposition to sand and stars. Do we have your interest today? Let me first of all give you from what we just read three temptations uh, that you're going to face when pursuing uh, sand and stars in your life, the possibilities that God has promised you, the temptations. There's three of them I want to give them to you today. The first one is the temptation to think it's not working. Anytime God gives you a promise, you're going to have the temptation to think it's not working. Ten years have gone by, right? In your pursuit of God and the plan of God that he has for your life, there's going to be times that you're just going to think it's not happening in your life. Notice what it says here in verse 1. Sarai, Abraham's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. So, so Abraham here is believing for sand and stars, but the reality, according to the Bible, even 10 years in, is that nothing is happening in their life. Has anybody ever been there. The truth of the matter is we all know, we all face seasons in our journey with God where nothing seems to be happening. And it's in those seasons, isn't it, that we become vulnerable to frustration and discouragement in our lives. And this is when the circumstances of life uh, can, can talk us out of our dream because we have concluded that it just is never going to happen. I'm talking about the temptation to think it's not working. But I've come to stir somebody up today at celebration. Come on, somebody in this room, somebody online is going to get us excited about this fact that with God, something is always, always, always happening. Oh, you didn't hear me. 
Somebody needs to awaken to the idea, even when it doesn't seem like it's working. I've come to tell somebody, God is still working on what he has promised to do in your life. Never underestimate what is happening when you think nothing is happening. Jeremiah chapter 1, the Bible tells us God is always faithful to perform what he has promised. If God has promised you health, hang on. I said if God has promised you prosperity, don't, get, grow, don't grow weary in well-doing. God is working on the sand and stars in your life. But there's always going to be the temptation to conclude in your life that it's just not working. Too many years, too many months, too many days has passed you by, and you can conclude that it's not working, which then you can enter into frustration and discouragement and then give up on God's promises for your life. Here's the second temptation when it comes to pursuing sand and stars. It's this, the temptation to think God failed you. The temptation to think God failed you. We notice this in verse 2 in the, the A clause there of, the, of the verse there. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has, catch this, has prevented me from having children. The Lord has prevented, she's concluded that the Lord has done this to her. Sarah is blaming God. Sarah felt like God was failing her. You see, when things don't happen the way we want them to hap happen, it's so easy, so tempting to blame God. Now, I know we would never do that out loud, right? Y'all okay? We're just teaching the Bible, right? This is going to help somebody today. Now, we would never say that out loud, but subconsciously, we get a little irritated because we know, God, God, you could have, right? God, you should have. God, 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 you, God, God, you could have stopped that if you wanted to stop it, right? Things are the way they are, God. You could have stepped in. And we, we conclude subconsciously that, you know, that, that maybe God has, maybe God has failed, failed me. Be careful. Be careful that you don't make God the problem for your problems. There's been several times, you know, these are just some quick bullet points I want to get out. These are just temptations that you're going to encounter in chasing sand and stars uh, I've had to deal with this, this, this one a lot, and it's never, it's never boisterous. It's just that subconscious little thought on the inside, God, you didn't, you didn't fix it. God, God, you didn't show up. You, you could have, Lord. God, God now I'm embarrassed. I'm, a, I'm humiliated. God, I'm out here by myself. God, God, if, God you, you could have changed things. And we, it's easy to conclude in the situation that God's the blame, that, like Sarah, that the Lord has prevented. And we must be careful that in our journey of sand and stars that we don't make God the problem for our problems because if you make God the problem for your problems, then, then you've really got some problems. Somebody needs to write that down. If you make God the problem for your problems, then I'm here to tell you, you've really, you thought you had problems before, but now you really have some problems. I've come to tell somebody today that God is never the problem. He's always, he's always the answer. Somebody needs to shout that. Say, God is always the answer. Come on, put that in the chat room. God is always the answer. But Sarah, because things weren't working out the way uh, she thought they would, and because God, see, this is the problem. We want God to do it our way. And when God doesn't do it our way, we want to blame God for the mess we have. But God's not the problem. God has not restricted. If God has promised it, it shall surely, somebody needs to hear this, it shall surely come, it shall surely come to pass. Be cautious of this temptation to blame God. Here's the third one, the temptation to fix it yourself. And this is where we're going to kind of land the plane and really just kind of marinate in some understanding that I believe will give us some help in our journey for sand and stars. The temptation to fix it yourself. In your pursuit of God and the plan that God has for your life, there will be times where you will want to implement your own plan to get 
what you want, <laughs> especially if it's been 10 years. For some of us, if it's been three days, six months, a year. Be cautious of the temptation to fix it yourself. This is what Sarah does. She presents this idea to Abraham. Let's read it again in the New Living Translation. It says, go. This is, this is her idea. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. This is crazy. This is in the Bible. So, so, so Sarah comes up with this suggestion. All the men are just quiet. They're real quiet today, just looking straight forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. My wife would never come up with that idea, you know. Sarah comes up with the suggestion, the idea, the plan, and Abraham, well, what's Abraham thinking? Like when, when Sarah says, hey, I want you to go sleep with my maid, and maybe you can have a child with her. I wonder what is going through Abraham's, like, like, wow, Sarah, I never thought about that. Wow. And, and then, and then, then he's, then, then that's a great idea. So she not only comes, she not only comes up with the idea, but he follows the plan. They're both guilty. I said they're both guilty, trying to fix they're trying to fix their problem. So I have some wisdom for husbands and wives out there. This isn't a marriage conference, but husbands and wives never underestimate the influence that each other has on each other. Never underestimate that. You might think he's ignoring you, but you have greater influence on him than you would ever, ever dream. So they are taking plans they're taking the plans into their own hands. They're trying to fix things their own way. And by doing it their way, guess what happens? Hagar gets pregnant and has a son by the name of Ishmael. How many of you are tracking with me today? So I now want to pick up the story some 13 years later. Reading the Bible here. In other words, Hagar is 13 years old. He is actually a teenager at this time. Remember, this is their plan. It's not God's plan, right? Now, the teenager, he's a teenager now. It's actually now 23 or over 23, almost 24 years since God has made the original promise that I'm going to give you your own child. In Genesis 21, verses 1 through 13, let's, 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 let's pick up the story. It says, the Lord graciously remembered and visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for her as he had promised. Now, so, so this is like, this is like, by the time they have the child, it's like 25 years. And they go, well, why did it take so long? Well, it didn't take God long to do that. It just took Abraham and Sarah long, a long time to get position for it. And so verse 2, it says, So Sarah conceived and gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God has spoken to him. Verse 3, Abraham named his son Isaac. And Abraham was 100 years old when the son Isaac was born. The child Isaac grew and was weaned. And Abraham held a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. Notice that. And Abraham held a great feast, a dinner, on the day that Isaac was weaned. Now at the time, as, now as time went on, Sarah saw Ishmael, about 13 years of age, the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, mocking Isaac, Isaac. Therefore she said to Abraham, drive out this maid and her son, for the son of this maid shall not be an heir with my son Isaac. The situation distressed Abraham greatly because of his son Ishmael. And God said to Abraham, do not let distress do, do not let it distress you because of Ishmael and your maid. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen, really, Lord? She's already got us into this mess. Whatever. Mm, come on, this is some Bible stuff. Whatever Sarah tells you, listen to her and do what she asks, for your descendants will be named through Isaac. Notice, not Ishmael. And I will also make a nation, hear this, of Ishmael, the son of the maid, because he is your descendant. 25 years later, Sarah finally gives birth to God's plan. 
And here's what I want you to hear today. This is when all hell breaks loose in their life. It was their own plan. It was their own way. They yielded to the temptation. And 25 years later, all hell breaks loose between Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael and Isaac. Why? Because the, you got to hear this. Because the mistake and the miracle are growing up in the same house. Just hang on just a second. Because the mistake and the miracle is growing up in the same house. I've come to ask you a question today. What do you do when the mistake and the miracle is growing up in the same house? The Bible says that there was a feast, there was a dinner. They're actually celebrating Isaac is no longer a baby. He's been weaned, and, and now he's become a young, a young child. And it's at this moment that the Bible says, at this feast, at this ceremony, at this celebration, that Bible says that, that Ishmael begins to mock Isaac. In other words, the mistake begins to mock the miracle. The mistake me begins to harass the miracle, the, the, the mistake begins to shame the miracle. Whether you realize it or not, the, the, the conflict today in the Middle East goes all right back. Goes all right back to this moment of Abraham, of Abraham and Sarah trying to fix it for God. Coming up with their own plan. Coming up with their own idea. Um, this, this is what happens. Can I pastor you a little bit? Come on online. Can I pastor you a little bit? This is what happened when people grow impatient with God's timing in their life. This is what happens when we start to compromise and take shortcuts. When we choose plan B and plan C and plan D, and Lord, it's been a long time now, you know, Lord, it's been six months. You promised, Lord, it hasn't happened. It's been a year. It's been two years. And so we kind of get this idea, well, maybe I'll just kind of help God out just a little bit. I'm, I'm miserable. I'm, I'm unhappy, and I deserve to be happy. And now you're not fighting for plan A. You're not fighting for the sand and stars. You're, you're opting out for plan B and plan C and and plan D. Don't ever underestimate, because we can see it in the world today, and a lot of problems that we have in the world today is because of what I just read in the Bible right here. But we're not talking about the Middle East. We're talking about you. We're talking about me. Don't ever underestimate what can happen in your own family when you take things into your own hands. Oh, yeah. That's it. I want a husband, and I want it now. <laughs> I'm tired of being alone. I've been alone long enough, right? So now, bless God, I found me a man. Now, he's not everything that I wanted, but at least he, at least he can walk. <laughs> bless God, I'm not going to be alone, right? That's for worship team to come back. Tom, come back and help me, okay? Bless God. I want I, I'm alone. I deserve to be happy in life. And so so it's not all the things you were looking for. And so now you got a man, but now you got misery. <laughs> You've been better to be alone than to marry the devil. You wake up in the morning. You'll, you'll wake up in the morning, he'll be foaming at his mouth, and you'll go, what the heck, and what have I done, right? Well, what are you saying, Pastor? Be, be careful that you opt for plan B or plan C or, or plan D. Well, I've had it with California. If I've heard this once, I've heard it a hundred times in the last year. Bless God. We're moving out of California. We're going to get out of here. We're going to go somewhere else where they don't have crazy governors. 
Go somewhere where the taxes aren't so high. Like God can't bless you enough to pay taxes? So, 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 so out of all these people, all these individuals that, that I hear, that we're, we're out of California, it's always the crazy governor, it's always the stupidity of California, it's always a high price of living, but it's never, I was on my knees and I was seeking God, and I fasted for 40 days and God said, I need to move my family to so-and-so because there's a ministry there, there's a church there, we're going to get planted there and God's going to do great things in our lives. No, I don't hear that. No, I don't hear that. Be Be careful. Be, be careful that you don't opt for plan B or plan C. Did, did, did God tell you to do that? Did God tell you to marry them? Did God tell you to go there? Uh, it's kind of quiet. It's going to get better before it's over if you'll hang in there with me. Is that God leading you? If it was up to me, I, there's no way I'd be in Fresno. But it's God's plan for my life. I want to be where the deer and the antelope play. But every time I pray about the deer and the antelope, God talks to me about an assignment. Hello. And I'm happier in my assignment than chasing some deer and antelope. And and I'm just trying to help somebody before you go chasing plan B and plan C and plan, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta find out what your sand and stars are so that you don't opt out and miss God and try to fix your life and become more miserable than what you are right now. <laughs> Woo! That's good preaching. What if it's God's plan for you just to stay put and have revival in a city that needs revival? What if we could turn this crime I'm moving out of this city. He's got too much crime. Well, help us stay and let us bring revival and change our... Oh, Jesus. Is that God's leading for you? Remember, there's a God's way and there's your own way. But your own way will never bring the blessing of God into your life. And I can preach that with passion, and I'm not dealing with any situation here, but... I can tell you over the 28 years that we have pastored, we've seen so many people mess their lives up chasing stuff that was never God's plan for their life. Probably the best way I could say it today is you need to ask yourself a question in everything that God is doing. Please, if you don't get anything else out of this message, please hear this point. It's the most important thing I will say today. You need to ask yourself this question. Is this a leading or is this an opportunity? Is this a leading or is this just an opportunity? Because an opportunity is not a leading. I'm going to say it again. Russell, an opportunity is not a leading. In Romans chapter 8, it says for believers, for, for as many that are led by the Spirit of God, we're led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons and the daughters of God. God, listen, God leads you by his spirit. God does not lead you by opportunity. And this is where, this is where the devil, the devil messes people's lives up. Remember, remember, the devil is the God of this world. God never leads you through opportunity. Well, well, well I'm going to get a pay raise or it has to be God. Did you pray about it? doesn't mean the opportunity is not God, but God will never lead you by an opportunity. Oh, got quiet in this church today, right? No, he leads by your spirit. So when the opportunity comes up, that's when you go to prayer. Get on your knees and say, Lord, is this you or is this the devil? Because I'm here to tell you what you may not understand or know is that the devil leads through opportunities. And he would love to mess your home up, mess your marriage up, mess your kids up. Before you do anything, before you go anywhere, get on your knees and say, God, what's your plan for my life? You should be shouting louder than you're shouting today. Thank God that that has saved my life over and over and over. I remember in the early 90s when we moved out here to start the church, God has spoke to us in Oklahoma to go to the northwest side of Fresno and establish, pioneer a church from nothing 
Well, that, that, was, that was huge because we didn't know anybody in Fresno. Are you, are you here? And so, so we graduated from Bible school and we moved to the northwest side of town, got a home, and we're thinking in our minds, well, we'll you know, spend a couple years, we'll get to know some people, and perhaps out of a Bible study, we'll, we'll, we'll start a church and all of that. And, and when we moved here, you got to understand, we had just nothing. We, we would, we, I'd come from a job, paper, throwing papers, making $22 a day. We had no money. We just landed here. If it wasn't for my dad and mom, we wouldn't have even had a house. And, but we had a dream of sand and stars in our heart, and we moved here. And the, the thing I'm thinking of is not church. I'm just thinking money, you know, just food. We got to eat. And, and so I'm just thinking get a job. And I'll never forget within the first week, of moving here, there was a, a church in town that asked us to come and speak. Some situations that occurred, and, and so I said yes because I thought, well, if nothing else, I'll maybe take an offering and then we can eat, you know. So, so I'm needing to eat. My kids are wanting to eat. My wife's wanting to eat. So I went and preached for them, and after the service, which I didn't know, uh, they, they uh, actually came to us and said, uh, Randy, Cherie, we, we want you to be our pastors. Now, now uh, we came here, and we had nothing, and we knew nobody, and it was, a, it was an outside source in San Jose that, that kind of hooked this thing all up about me preaching on that Sunday at this church, and so I went and preached. I didn't know that I was actually trying out for their church, and they thought it was a tryout, and so they were excited, and I guess we did a good enough job that they said, we want you to be our pastors, and I'm thinking, oh, God, this is, this is awesome, and then, they, and, then the, and then the board people said, and we got like $300,000 in the bank. We could start paying you. Oh, Jesus, you mean? How much money? Say that again. And I got so excited. I said, God, you're so awesome. Two years I've been in Bible school. I've been praying. I've been seeking God. And now we go to Fresno and you've opened a door and a church is there. And we don't even have to go find people. People are already there. This is absolutely exciting. And you could just see me glowing with a smile until I got on my knees and prayed. Because... An opportunity is not a leading. And when I got on my knees to pray, God spoke into my heart. He says, I didn't call you to take over a church. I called you to start a church. And me and my wife that day had to make a decision. Are we going to be led by God or led by opportunity? And I can tell you before this church today, I don't think we would still be in ministry today if I would have chose the opportunity. So the mistake and the miracle are in the same house. Wow. Can anybody relate to this? The mistake and the miracle in the same house, in the same place, in the same space. And the same life. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about your failures, your mess up, your mistake. Because the truth of the matter is we all have made mistakes. We've all messed up. So your mistakes are never far from your mind, are they? They're always there. They're shaming you. They're mocking you. They're harassing you. You want to believe God, you want to dream about sand and stars, but the mistake is mocking you, telling you, you, you know what you've done. So, some of you in this service today say, I can't even believe you're there. You know what you did this last week. Those thoughts that are bombarding your, your life, the, the miracle of sand and stars and the, the failures and mistakes in your life, they're trying to live in the same house. You try to serve God, you try to worship God, you try to dream about the sand and stars, but that mistake is always there, harassing and tormenting and shaming you. Am I, am I the only one? Am I the only one that goes through this? Tells you that'll never happen. You'll never see sand and stars in your life. Hear me today. Mistakes rob you of your joy. Mistakes steal your peace of mind. Mistakes try to rule your life. Hear me. Mistakes will try to even define your life. And ultimately, mistakes will try to ruin it. I've come with good news today. Your future has nothing to do with your mistakes. Come on, your, your future has nothing to do with your mistakes. So, so 
I know they came up a little early. I think they were trying to shut me down. But let me give you, let me give you three things, and I'm out of here. It's going to be really quick. Let me give you three things that you need to know really quick about your mistakes. Because we're all living with the mistake and the miracle. Here's the three things you need to know. The mistake can't, can't stop the miracle. The mistake cannot stop. The mistake could not keep the miracle from coming to pass. In other words, the mistake in your life never has the final say. Listen, this is good news because we all, we've all made mistakes, but those mistakes don't have to have the final say. If you'll hook back up with God, come on, that mistake won't be able to stop you. Of your sand and stars, God will do what he promised to do. I'm here to tell you the mistake. Here's what you need to know about. The mistake cannot stop the miracle from coming to pass in your life. It didn't stop Abraham and Sarah. They messed up big time. I don't care how bad you've messed up. Your days ahead of you are brighter. Come on, your ladder shall be greater. Come on, the mistake cannot, cannot stop the promise and the possibility that God has for you. The second thing you need to know about the mistake is this. You have to stop feeding the mistake. Come on, if we're going to deal with this, you've got to stop, you start feed, stop feeding the mistake. Did you notice that they're at a banquet? They're at a celebration. They're actually at a dinner. So, so, so the mistake is hungry. The mistake is thirsty. The mistake wants, the, the, wants your attention. It wants your time. It, it wants your, your resources. So, so there's a decision you have to make in life. Which one do I want to feed at my table? Am I going to feed the miracle? Or am I going to feed the mistake? Do, do you really want to give your, your time and your effort and your resources to the mistake? when you could be giving that to your, your miracle, you've got to make the decision to stop feeding your mistake. You've you got to make the decision to, 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 to stop feeding it with your energy and your, your mind and your thoughts and your efforts, come on, your resources. And the third thing is that you need to know about your mistake is you have to tell the mistake it's time to go. You know mistakes don't leave on their own. No. You have to decide which one you're going to, to live with. Finally, Sarah, she says, I've had enough of this. She says, after 13, 14 years, she says, I, I, Abraham, you, you get that woman and you, you get that, that son and you get him out of our house. Now, listen, I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about your mess-ups. I'm talking about, I'm talking about your failure. I'm talking about the very thing that you feel is discrediting you from your miracle. You have to come to a place that, that you make a decision. Hey, it's time for the mistake to go in my life. So Abraham, he's distressed about, about this because that's his son. That's Ishmael and that's his son too. And so he goes to to God and he prays about it and, and God tells him something very interesting. He says, uh, you need to listen to your wife. It's like, really God? I listened to her last time. I got in trouble. Now you want me to go back and listen to her? He says, yeah, I want you to listen to your wife because she's right about this situation. And God tells Abraham, Abraham, I know you're distressed. I know, I know that's your child. I know that your mistress, but I need you to let it go. I need you to give it to me. This is not your sand and stars. This is not your future. This is not your destiny. Abraham, uh, uh, Abraham, you, 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 you tried to live with it long enough. You tried to manage it long enough. Abraham, I, I need you to give it to me. It's an interesting dialogue that God has with Abraham. When Abraham is distressed, Abraham, you need to give it to me. Abraham, you see, you can't fix the mistake. You can't escape your mistake. 
uh, Abraham, you've got to trust me with your mistake. Abraham, I, I can deal with your mistake. Abraham, I can handle your mistake. Abraham, I can take that mistake and work all things out for the good of them that somebody needs to be here. I'm not talking about Abraham and Sarah. I'm talking about you. What is in your life that you feel like disqualifies you from the sand and stars? I'm here to tell you the enemy wants you to live with the mistake and the, and the miracle in your life, the rest of your life. But I'm here to tell you, you've got to tell the mistake. It's time to go, and you've got to be willing to give it to God. You gotta be willing to trust God with it. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta let go of your failure. You gotta let go of that mishap. You gotta let go of what you did and what you said and what you should have done. You gotta let go and let God deal with your mistake. You gotta trust God. So, so as we close today, what, what is, what is your mistake? Well, what is that thing that's always in your life <laughs> mocking your miracle? <laughs> Sometimes when I say things like that, I look and people look puzzled. And I'm going, God, am I the only one that deals with this stuff? It's like, do you all have perfect lives or what? God shows up and he says, I'm going I'm to do something great in your life. And all of a sudden I have these voices of the failures mocking the sand and stars of my life. Oh, you know what you did last week. Oh, you know what you said last week. Oh, you know where you went last month. And it's constantly mocking. What, what is your mistake that constantly is mocking the miracle, the sand and stars in your life? Here's what I hear God saying, those online and those in this room. God is asking you today, you'll give it to him. God is asking you to trust him with your failure. You think it's final, but it's not. You think it's over, but it's not. You think it's disqualified you from the sand and stars, the God possibilities in your life, but, but it hasn't. And all God is saying, they, they can't live in the same space. They can't, Abraham! Sarah's right. you got to let go of the mistake. Let me handle the mistake. Let me deal with the mistake. Let me care for the mistake. Abraham, i got to get you moving with the sand and stars. And I'm here to encourage somebody today. Don't let your mistake and your miracle dwell in the same place and the same life. you got to be willing to say, you got to go. Failure, you guys. It don't matter what people think. Failure, you got to go. God still has an amazing life for me. God still has a promise for me. I think the reason why when, when the Lord was showing me this, 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 this message and realizing that, man, this is, a, this is the opposition that Abraham had to deal with in getting the sand and stars, the, the, the mistake and miracle growing up in the same house, and he tried to manage it for a few years and it just got too to be too much. Or, is anybody tired yet? Are you tired of the fight of managing the mistake and the miracle? Uh, you, you do good for a while, but then there, there comes the mockery of the failure, right? You got to let it go. Today we're making a decision to, to let it go. And my concern is that, my concern is that a lot of us have picked up a lot of mistakes and a lot of bad habits and a lot of stuff in this, this past season of our life. I, I don't know if you realize this, but if you study the Bible out, you'll find out where the mistake actually came from. Um, well, we know the, the, that Ishmael came from Hagar, but, but where did Hagar come from? Uh, the Bible tells us that in a famine and in a dry season of Abraham, Sarah's life, they, they went to Egypt. And they went to Egypt, and then when they left Egypt, they actually took some of Egypt with them. It was in a dry season of their life. And, and, uh, and, and so when they get back on course to go to the, the land of promise, the, the sand and stars, they actually take some of Egypt with them. Now, 
for, for some of you, that doesn't mean nothing. But let me help you. In the Bible, Egypt is a type of sin. Egypt is a type of the world. It's the way the world does what it does. So they go to the world system. They go to the type of the way the world does what it does. And then they take some of that world with them. And then that is what really enslaves them. I, I think in this COVID season, I think in this dry season, I think a lot of people have created a lot of new habits. They, they uh, I, I think they've got into a whole new rhythm that didn't come from the promised land. It didn't come from sand and stars. It just, it just came from the way, the, it, do I really need to go to church? Is it really necessary to do all that church stuff? You know, I've kind of enjoyed this rhythm of not having to go to church and listen to a preacher yell at me. And plus, I could just go online and listen to something when I want to listen to it. Like, you call that church? And my concern is in this dry season, the church has been seduced by the, by the world. Come on, are you going to help me today? Kind of quiet in this Presbyterian court church. And I think we've created new habits and new rhythms and new belief systems. And, and all of a sudden, we're trying to navigate back. And we're navigating back out of a dry season and a season of famine. And God is saying, I, I need you to let that stuff go. I need you to let me deal with it. I need you to let me deal with those misconceptions and those failures and those mess-ups because I still have sand and stars for you, Abraham. But you can't let the mistake and the miracle live in the same house. You receive that today? Come on, stand to your feet. Just close your eyes right where you're at. Father, I believe I've been obedient to, to share some of these truths. God, the opposition to our sand and stars, the temptations, God, that we're all susceptible to. God, we make adjustments today. We dream again, Lord. We, we understand today that, that our mistake could never stop the miracle that you have for our lives. But Father, we understand that we have a part to play in that. Father, we got to choose who to feed, what to feed. And then, Father, we've got to take those things that have been painful in our life, those mistakes, those mess-ups, and give them to you. God, I pray today that in this room and those online would be able to do just that. <laughs> to give you that failure, to give you that mess up, to give you those things, Lord, where they feel like has disqualified them from their miracle. God, I pray today, just like Abraham said, you got to go. Today, God, we declare over every mistake of our life, no more are you going to mock me. No more are you going to harass me. By the grace of God, you've got to go. No longer shall you be a part of my life. God, I pray today that in this room, those online would rise up, God, with a fresh vision of sand and stars, the possibilities that you have for them, and that the enemy would not be able to deceive them and trick them, make them think, God, that that mistake disqualifies them. God, do a work in people's hearts today as they give you that, they give you that problem, they give you that mistake, they give you that idea, they give you the, those things, God, that we have even collected and picked up from Egypt, Lord, in those dry seasons of our life. I breathe upon your people today. Spirit of the living God, breathe vision and hope and destiny and purpose. 
Father, let us get caught up in your presence to see the sand and stars. Do it in our lives, Lord. Do it in our lives, Lord. Come on, does anybody have any worship left in them? Anybody have any worship left in them? Some of you just got to say, it's got to go. You got to go. You've harassed me long enough. You've harassed me long enough. You've got to go. Come on, let's sing that. We devote it to you, Jesus, because I just want you and nothing else. Jesus. Nothing else. You nothing go. else will do. Harassing spirits. I just want you. Nothing else, Jesus, nothing else, nothing else with you, I just want you, nothing else, nothing else, nothing else with you, come on, worship him with me, I just want tell you if we all just got that right there that a leading is not an opportunity if that's the only thing you get today that could save your life for some of you God is telling you to move across the country but let that be God's voice find out what God is saying because there you have an enemy that works in the natural realm that can create opportunities a leading is not an opportunity for as many that are led by the Spirit of God. They are the sons and daughters of God. It was so amazing as I was, I was needing a job. Come on, we're, we're, you're in this moment, right, with me? There's a reason why we're just having one service right now because we want God to be able to do. We don't want to waste time. When God's done, we're going to let you go. But, but I'm telling you, there's just something here. And I... It was amazing because that all happened within the first week, the, the church opportunity. And I'm thinking, man, I just need a job. And God says, when you get there, it came in Oklahoma. When I first, He said, when you get there, do not go back into business. Because that had been my track record before. I'd just start businesses and I had some knowledge in a certain area. He said, do not go back to business. 
work by the hour so that you know the hours you work, you get the money, you can provide food on the table, and then you can get busy focusing on what I've called you to do in starting the church. And I get here, and the first week, the opportunity of the church comes up, and then I get disappointed because it wasn't God. It looked like God. Oh, it looked like God. Oh, it looked like God. You, you don't know how much it looked like God. We, 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 we were in a home. We were, we were living out of an ice chest. We, couldn't, we didn't have a refrigerator. Oh, I can't tell you how bad it looked like God. Until God spoke, he said, that's not me. So I went out that week, applied for a job, filled out the application in a certain line of work that I'd been involved with. And the owner of the company came in and he begins to interview me. He says, I've been looking at your, your application. And he says, uh, he says, I don't want to hire you. He said, but based on your application, actually what I want to do is make you a partner in this business. And I said, woo, check that out. God is moving again. Isn't it amazing? Two major things that God said not to do became an opportunity within the first couple weeks of our life. And what was God trying to do? Whether you think I'm messed up today or not, you wouldn't even be here in this room today if it wasn't for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Oh, you would be somewhere... God would graciously lead it through somebody else, but, but we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today together. Oh, somebody ought to get excited. Somebody ought to. Oh, God, thank you for as many that are led by the Spirit. They're the sons. They're the daughters of God. Come on. Come on, make some fresh commitments. I'm going to go Godward. I'm going to check it out with God. God, is it you? God, are you in this? Is this what you want me to do? decision and the opportunity there. You just get on your knees, do whatever you need to do. Say, God, God, is this you? God, God, are you in? I, God, I'm getting ready to move my family clear. God, are, is this because, because the enemy is a thief and he wants to steal and he wants to kill. And you know what? In a moment of just worship, God can lead you and give you that inner peace. This is me or this isn't me. He's in the still, small voice. He's the voice of your conscience. And you have to silence every other voice. He's not the voice of your flesh. Come on. He's the voice of your spirit, your conscience. He's not the voice of your reasoning, because you'll reason that right in. He's, he's, on, he's on the inside, the still, small voice. Come on, we're going to make fresh commitments today. We're going to be led. Come on, as we move forward into our sand and stars, come on, we're going to be led. Say, I'm going to be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus' name. Say, say, Father, speak to me and I'll obey. Lead me and I will follow. Direct me, I'll obey. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, come on. Come on, are you getting that online? So, so let me just stop with this right here. So in this message that I put together, two, two interesting thoughts. I think about that in my life, and then I think about the other thing in my life. The greatest enemy to my life has been my failures. And see, so you, you look at me and you probably say, well, you've never done anything wrong. Listen, I'm as, I'm as, as human as the next person. There is, there is stuff in all of our lives. You'd be shocked. You would be shocked what God has got me through. Oh, Jesus. And the biggest challenge of my life is that mistake and that miracle in the same space, the same place.
place the same life. And I'm just here to encourage somebody today. You'll never have the sand and stars as long as you're feeding your mistake. It's time to say you got to go. Come on, somebody. You got to go. Come on, there's too much ahead of you. Your best days are ahead of you. God's got sand and stars for his people. <laughs> some of you, oh, I, some of you, if you, if, 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 if God only did 10% of what he wants to do in your life, you would break out laughing right now. You wouldn't be able to, you'd wet your pants. If, if, if you just even begin to dream that God could do 10% of what he's wanting to do, you would, you would laugh, you would scream, you would run, you would do crazy stuff. I'm here to tell you, sand and stars are ahead for the people of God. Our best days, revival, awakening, signs, wonders, and miracles. Signs, wonders, miracles are coming to the people of God. I declare it in Fresno because I'm here. I'm staying. We're running the devil out of this town. Come on, revival, an awakening. We're running crime out of this town. Come on, we're running every evil thing. We're going to see a move of God in this. I didn't move here in the 90s not to see that dream of sand and stars come to pass. Is anybody with me? Does anybody want to sign up for revival? Say this, say, say the mistake has got to go. Say it again, the mistake has got to go. <laughs> so, Father, I bless your people today. God, I speak into, the, into this environment, the spirit of faith to come upon your people, life to come upon your people. Dry bones, live again. Scattered bones, come back. Disconnected, come back. Bone to bone, come back and live again. Father, I declare a mighty army is rising up from the ash pile of the ruin, the desolate parts. In Jesus' name we pray. My believers are praying. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you're here today or on the other side of this camera, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you know that that is your next move. There's something on the inside. You say, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Or you might be saying, you know what? I've done that at one time, but I'm just not living for God. I kind of had some dry seasons in my life, and I've just picked up a lot of things from Egypt, and I need to make some fresh commitments today. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer today of full surrender to God. The Bible says all that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're ready to call upon the name of the Lord and surrender your life to him, I want you to, I want you to pray this prayer. God, let me just say what you're praying. Just, just heads are bowed. If that's you in this building, would you just raise your hand? Say, that's me, Pastor. You're talking to me right now. Hands going up all over this building. God can see those hands, too hands all over this building. Pray this prayer. I believe there's hands going up in that garage, in that living room. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, today I surrender my life. Surrender my life to Jesus. I believe in my heart that he's the son of God, that he died for me, took my judgment, my sin, my mistake, and I give it to him today. I believe he was raised from the dead and gives me eternal life. Today, I receive Jesus as my Savior, and I make him my Lord. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Come on, rejoice. Rejoice with those. Rejoice with those. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is anybody excited beside your pastor? And I feel like something's stirring. 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 Anybody else feel like something's stirring? So, Father, I speak the physical bodies to be made whole right now in Jesus' name. I speak the blood disease be cured. Amen. Cancer to be gone. Leukemia be gone. I speak the organs to be made whole. Speak to bones and muscles and ligaments. Every joint, I command arthritis to go. Every joint be healed 
in the name of Jesus. I command stress and discouragement, fear, spirit of fear. I command you to go now in Jesus' name. I speak health. I speak healing to your people. God, I look into these cameras and I declare miracles are happening right now. I speak health and I speak miracles into your life. Be healed. Be made whole in Jesus' name. I declare it so. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Blood circulation. Be healed. Be healed. Circulate. Uh, that infection, I, I declare healing to that. If somebody's dealing with some infection in their body, I, I speak healing into their body. Infection be gone. In Jesus' name. God, I declare over this house, the Celebration family, that we're healthy and we're wealthy and we're shooting for the stars in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.